you can be seated if you'd like. If you found Judges chapter 8 um, last week, we've been going through the Judges, right? And um, last week we talked about a man named Gideon. He's kind of one of the more popular Judges. And so far, we've talked about how Israel had this cycle they would go through and they would live for God and they wouldn't and then they'd be um, afflicted and conquered or whatever they cry out and you know, it would raise up a, a deliverer. And so far all these men and women that we've talked about have been good guys and they've done good things for God. Um, they've been called by God. They've been anointed by God, appointed by him and they were used by God and the people that we should strive to be like if we want to be used um, by God please forgive me but what happens when someone decides that they want to be used by God or they want to do something for the kingdom maybe um, but they aren't called or maybe they aren't submitted um, to God and they just try to do their own thing for the kingdom. And so we come to the story of Abimelech. Uh, most people don't include him in the judges because the judges were men and women that God raised up. Um, I'm not including him as a judge. This is kind of a one-off, I guess. There was several good guys and ladies, and then there was Abimelech. And um, we're going to use him as an example of what not to do. Uh, the New Testament says that the stories in the Old Testament were given to us as examples to learn from. Um, how to live, how not to live, how to please God, and you know what we need to do, what we don't need to do, and all that. And so the story of Abimelech is a bit of a crazy one. There's a few characters in the Bible named Abimelech. Uh, we're going to talk about the one in Judges. It's a, he has a relatively short time frame, only a three-year span for his story, but he's got the longest chapter in Judges. So there's a lot of stuff. We're not going to read all of it, um, but if you want to later, please do. But hey, we first meet him in Judges chapter 8, verse 30 to 35. We'll start there. It says, Gideon had 70 sons. I'm going to read in the New King James because it's a little... Clear with some of the some of the words. And Gideon had seventy sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age. That's a good time to die. And was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Ab. Bezerites. I tried. So it was. As soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Bareth their God. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all of their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, which is Gideon's other name, because a lot of guys in the Bible had multiple names. In accordance with the good he had done for Israel. So, in most of this, they'll call him Jerubbabel. That was the name his father gave him when he tore down the altar of Baal. 
remember from last week. And so Gideon, he was the leader of Israel. God used him in mighty ways. They wanted to make him king, but uh, Gideon said, no, God is your king. And um, through all those conquests and stuff, he ended up with many wives. How many? I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, back then, the more wives and kids and stuff you had, the bigger deal you were, and that was kind of your legacy. Oh, my family's so big, I'm a big deal. And uh, So he's got a bunch of wives, he's got a, at least one concubine, and a concubine basically was a wife without the ceremony, they may not have the same benefits, um, whatever. Uh, but she was part of the family. Uh, her son wouldn't have the, the benefits of an actual son. If you think of the stories of kings and, and stuff in France and England, they all had their queens and then some of them had, we call them mistresses now, and they lived nearby and they had a family, but they were illegitimate heirs. And so that's kind of what this situation was like. Um, Gideon has this concubine and her son was an illegitimate heir to whatever Gideon's going to leave to him. And usually a concubine was maybe a servant of some sort, but there was a relationship with the, the man of the house. And so Gideon's concubine is from Shechem, which is a city in Canaan. Um, and, and she has a son, and they name him Abimelech. And um, so there's a lot of Abimelechs in the Bible. You've probably heard the name before. But the name Abimelech means my father is the king. Which is interesting because Gideon said, I'm not going to be your king. But then he names his son Abimelech, which is, I don't know. I don't know. But then, so Gideon dies, as all men must do. And as the Bible says, as soon as Gideon was dead, Israel backslid. As soon as he was dead, they started doing their own thing. They started following after other gods. They forgot about Jehovah. They forgot about Gideon. They forgot about all the stuff that he had done as soon as Gideon passed away. And of all the judges uh, we've had so far, God calls them and he raises them up and he uses them. And this time, this man is a little bit different. Abimelech. And Israel is worshipping other gods and they've turned from Jehovah again. And there's, this time there's no crying out to God for a deliverer. There's no repentance. There's no God save us from the hand of whoever. Um, they haven't been conquered yet. And all this stuff that normally would take place hasn't happened. And so Abimelech grows up and he decides, hey, my dad was the leader of Israel and my name means my father is the king, so I should become the leader. I should become the king. And this, my friends, is a tragic tale of someone who tries to do something without God. And if you watch this as we read through this, there are some things Abimelech does that Gideon did, but without God it ends up um, in a disaster. The main point of this story, the reason why we're talking about it, Tonight, the main point of this message, or whatever you want to call this, is that it doesn't matter who your daddy is. Your legacy doesn't matter. If you're a fourth or fifth generation apostolic or whatever, you were raised in this, and your granddaddy was raised in this, and he did whatever, it doesn't matter. Because unless you have a personal relationship with God for yourself, this isn't going to work. 
You can copy someone else, but you can't copy their anointing. You can't copy their calling. You can't copy their relationship with God. You need to have your own. No matter how close you are to that person, you need to have your own relationship with God. So the story really starts in Judges chapter 9. So let's go there in verse 1 and 2. It says, Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubal, it's hard to say, there's too many letters that are doubled, went to Shechem, to his mother's brothers, and spoke with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, which is better for you that all 70 of the sons of Gideon or Drubal reign over you, or that one reigns over you. Remember, I am your flesh and bone. So he presents this, I don't know, situation to the people of Shechem. Abimelech goes to Shechem where his mama lives, and he meets with all his uncles and their family, and he's like, what's better, all 70 of Gideon's sons reign over you, or just one? It's easier to follow 70 people or is it easier just to follow one? Remember, I'm related to you. When you're thinking about this, remember, I'm related to you. But what did Gideon say? Gideon said, God is your king. My sons won't be your king. But here is Abimelech going against what Gideon said. And right off the bat, you see Abimelech for who he is. He's a selfish Man, he's full of selfish ambition. And ambition in itself is fine. But when it's for selfish purposes or for selfish reasons, it's for me and, you know, I'm trying to get ahead, you know, then it's wrong. If we have ambition to do something for the kingdom of God and be used by God, that's, that's fine. But if we have ambition to get that position, to get that promotion, to climb the ladder and just... That's all it's about, and not about the kingdom of God, then it's, it's wrong. Abimelech doesn't want to lead because God's people need to be delivered like his father did, like the other judges have. The spirit of the Lord doesn't come upon Abimelech. He wants to be king because he wants to be king, because he wants the power, because he wants the position. He wants all of the stuff that comes along with it. And we cannot work for the kingdom of God and serve our own selfish Ambition, trying to get ahead, trying to lead where we aren't called or where we aren't placed by God and trying to do maybe what God doesn't want us to do. The tenth commandment of the big ten is thou shalt not covet. But here is Abimelech right off the bat breaking that. He's coveting a throne. He's lusting after a position. And if we are position driven, we will fail. But if we're spirit led, you will not. So Shechem, Shechem was a city where both Jews and Canaanites lived. Abimelech's mother was a Canaanite woman, and his father was a Jew. And he thought to himself, if I start my campaign to become king, here I can have both sides on my side. Both sides of the city. If I get the Canaanites on my side and the Jews on my side, nobody can stop me. If I can leave the heathens and I can leave the people of God, I'll be unstoppable. And that's a recipe for disaster because the Bible says you can't serve God and the world. It's one or the other. You can't please both. It's impossible. 
And when we try, we become miserable. When we try to do both, we, we fail and we fall. The church needs to be the church. Not a better version of the world. Not a cleaner version of the world. We need to be the church. If we're trying to be like everyone else, because we want to lead them or whatever, it's not going to work. We need to follow after God and let Him work and be the church. Does that make sense so far? Verse uh, 3 to 4 says, And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. So they go and they discuss it with everyone else that lives there. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. He's related to us. We'll follow him. And so they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal-Bareth, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men, and they followed him. So the men of Shechem, they said, well, well Abimelech's our, our brother, he's our relative, he's our family. Uh, we'll follow this guy instead of 70 other guys that have nothing to do with us. And they gave him, it says, 70 shekels of silver from the house, from the temple of Baal Bareth. They paid him with the money from the temple of Baal. And this is where it all starts. He starts off wrong. If we start off wrong, it's going to be a mess down the road. When Gideon started his ministry, what did he do? He tore down the altar of Baal in his town. And Abimelech goes and he gets money from the altar of Baal instead, from the temple of Baal. Instead, it's the complete opposite of Gideon. The first two commandments, the ten commandments are, Thou shalt have no other God before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And so here it is, Abimelech funding his campaign to be king, to lead God's people with Baal's money. He's breaking all the commandments right off the bat. He's just, whatever. I've said right off the bat too many times already. But by accepting the money from Baal, he is denouncing the God of Israel. He's saying, I'm trusting in this God instead. This God's going to provide for me. This God's going to give me what I need to become King. So by doing that, he's denouncing the God of Israel. And so he started off the verse before trying to please both the people of God and the people of the world. And in the end, what happened? He turned his back on God. Right? It doesn't take very long. Not long after he said, I'm going to start here. He was already taking money from the temple of Baal. And so he's already broken three commandments already. He's on a roll. Three of the ten. And so the Bible says he hires some worthless and reckless men to follow him. That sounds like a good crew to have. We're going to take over this country. Let's get some worthless men to follow. Let's go. You can't pay people to follow you because when the money is gone, they're gone too. Think of David and his men. They stuck with him through thick and thin because of what they went through. He didn't just hire some, some muscle. They were in it. Together, Gideon had men follow him because they believed in the cause. People will follow you because they love you and they respect you. Maybe even because of your position. Um, or if they believe in the cause that you're promoting or whatever, something like that. But you can't bribe someone to follow you because they're just going to turn on you as we see happens in this story. In verse 5 and 6, it says, Then he went to his father's house in Orphra, or... Yeah, Ophrah, and killed his brothers 
and the seventy sons of Jerubbaal one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbaal, was left because he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together at all of Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. He's already broken three commandments. Why not break another one? Thou shalt not kill. We know that one. That one's pretty. We all try to follow that one at least. Thou shalt not kill. Abimelech kills 69 of his 70 brothers, and the youngest, Jotham, escapes. As the son of a concubine, the inheritance doesn't fall to Abimelech. So he figures if I wipe out the rest of my brothers, I get it all. So he tries to kill the others. But why didn't the people of Israel stop it? Why didn't they step in? The Bible says in chapter 8, because they forgot all about Gideon. As soon as Gideon died, they're like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't take long for people to turn on you. You can go from, you know, the best, the hero, to the goat. Very quickly, people turn on you. They forgot all about Gideon, or they didn't care enough, or have the courage enough to do anything. And when the people of God find ourselves in that position where we forget about God, we forget about the things of God, or we don't care enough, or we don't have the courage enough to do anything, wickedness can reign. And that's what happens in this story. The people of Shechem, they make Abimelech king. By doing so, they broke a couple more commandments. It says they made him um, a king at a certain place, and the place where they made him king was the place where the Lord appeared to Abraham and promised to give him and his descendants the land. It was near the site where the, uh, that's in Genesis 12 and 6. It was near this site that the nation of Israel heard the blessings and cursings read from the law, and they promised to obey the Lord in Deuteronomy 11, 26 to 30, and Joshua 8, uh, 30 to 35. And Jacob buried the idols here when as he called his family back to God in Genesis 35. And here Joshua gave his last speech and led the people in reaffirming their obedience back to God um, in Joshua 24, verses 25 and 26. This is a, a popular place in the Old Testament. This is a place where God met with his people. And by announcing himself as king here, he was defiling the name of the Lord because Gideon said God was their king, right? And he's taken the name of the Lord in vain by doing this. And he's bearing a false witness and representing himself in a way that he isn't. He's lying. He's just two more commandments. He's broke there. He's not who he said he was. So in a few verses, he's just made a mess of things. And Jotham, his little brother that escaped, he finds out that Abimelech has made himself king. And he goes to the top of a mountain and he tells a parable in a prophetic kind of way. And then he curses his half-brother. You know, when we think about parables, we think about Jesus. But there are some parables in the Old Testament. There's this, there's, um, you know, Nathan when he comes to David. Asks him about the sheep and whatever. And he says, you're the man that took that one sheep. You know that story? So there's some parables in the Old Testament. But Jotham, it says, 
In Judges 9, verse 7 to 15, it says, Now when they told Jotham, he went and stood at the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out, and they said unto them, and he said unto them, Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to announce, to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. So he's telling the story here. They said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Should I cease giving my oil, with which they honor God and men, and go sway over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come reign over us. But the um, but the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit to go sway over the trees? Then the trees said to the vine, You come, reign over us. And the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go to sway over the trees? So the trees are trying to find themselves a king. And then asked uh, the olive tree, the fig tree, and then asked the, the grapevine to be their king. And they've all said no because they've got something else to do for God. And then all the trees said to the bramble, You come, reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. But if not, let the fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. And then he goes on to say some more things and explain it a bit. And prophesy a little more. But in this story, this parable, he, he tells there's an olive tree, a fig tree, a grapevine. And the other trees ask them to be their king. And in this parable, the olive tree, the fig tree, and the grapevine, they represent the other judges that Israel had, had already, the righteous judges, the ones that refused the honor of being a king like Gideon had. And then all that was left was brambles or a thorn bush um, that was useless for anything except lighting on fire. Thorn bushes are a nuisance, right? When God cursed the ground, what happened? Thorns came and weeds came. What fun times there. And in this parable, this bramble represents Abimelech. Useless and a nuisance. And the trees made him king because they wanted a king so bad, according to this parable he's telling. And he's the bramble says to the trees, you know, a little bush, a little thorn bush, nothing growing on it, just dried up tumbleweed type of thing, says to the trees, come take shelter in my shade. That's a joke. You can't take shelter in a thorn bush. You don't have any leaves. Uh, <laughs> you can't get shade from a thorn bush, especially a tree. You can't. It's ridiculous. And just like Abimelech trying to pretend to be king. In the heat of the Middle East, thorn bushes would often combust and light on fire because they were so dry and they would cause the other trees around them to burn. That's what he says. Uh, Let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. That's how a forest fire would start because these thorn bushes would dry and then we so hot they would burst into flames. So Jotham tells this story and he predicts that just like the brambles or the thorn bushes catch on fire and destroy the mighty Cedars of Lebanon, which is big, beautiful trees that you make incredible things out of. This is all going to backfire, and Abimelech is going to destroy these people. Does that make sense? His little brother, the one that wasn't looking for a position, God uses this guy to prophesy 
and tell a story about Abimelech. And then um, verse 19 and 21. Do you guys know this story? Are you familiar with it? I've looked really hard to find children's activities for this, and there are none. I can't believe it. <laughs> but he taught this story in Sunday school, apparently. But anyways, verse 19 and 21. It says, And if you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jerubbabel, with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him rejoice in you. So this is all, if I'm wrong, if you're all doing it the right way, then let's rejoice together. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and he went to Beer. That's a place. And dwelt there for fear of Abimelech. His brother. So he says, if, if I'm wrong, if you guys are all in the right spirit, you're all doing it right, then fine. No, I'll be with you. But if not, be destroyed. Fire from Abimelech destroy you. Fire from you destroy Abimelech. And then he runs away like his father. <laughs> Gideon. Kind of scared, a little timid. God uses him. He just takes off. We don't hear from him again. Pretty cool. And so Abimelech reigns for three years. And then God finally has enough. And we can ask ourselves, you know, why, why did God let this go on for three years? And I think the reason is God always gives us a chance to repent. That God was maybe giving him Abimelech a chance to, to turn around. Abimelech had time to turn around and seek after God, but he, he didn't. Verse 22-24 says, After Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, just like Jotham said. And the crime done to the 70 sons of Gideon, um, that the crime done to the 70 sons might be settled, and their blood laid on Abimelech, their brother who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who aided him in the killing of his brothers. So God starts turning things around after um, three years. And uh, verse 25 to 33, you can read later, but it says, you know, they started, they started ambushing um, Abimelech's people and robbing the men of Shechem. They set up a little trap and they started taking money from Abimelech. And then this guy named Gal or Gael or Gal, I don't know, G-A-A-L. Let's call him Gael. That's a fun name. So he comes, he goes to Shechem and Gael and his his boys, they go through the fields and they, they take the grapes from the, the vineyard in Shechem. They make wine. They have a party at Baal's temple and they curse Abimelech and they do all this stuff and everything starts falling down around Abimelech. And then this man, Gael, he starts running his mouth about Abimelech. And he says, who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Hey, Abimelech, make your, make your army bigger. Come on out. Let's fight. Let's do this. And he starts saying all these things. You can read it. It's in there. And then Zebul, Gideon, or sorry, um, Abimelech's right-hand man, um, he's the man that's put over in charge of Shechem, the city of Shechem. He gets mad about it, because Gale's in Shechem, he's running his mouth about his buddy Abimelech, 
Uh, he gets mad about it, and he and Abimelech come up with a plan to shut this guy up. And Abimelech starts doing things like his father did, but without God. Judges 9.34 says, So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and went um, and lay in wait against Shechem and four companies. Remember the story of Gideon. When did Gideon surround the Midianites? He went at night and he surrounded them. And so Abimelech said, Well, this is what my dad did. God was with him. Maybe if I do it, it'll work. So he goes at night and he um, lays in wait against Shechem. They go at night, they surround Shechem, just like Gideon did with the Midianites. Midianites, and then, um, did I say Mennonites? Midianites. <sighs> Not the Mennonites. Fine. Verse 36. It says, okay, so, sorry, Zebel is in the city, right? He's the ruler of the city. Abimelech and his army have surrounded them. And um, Gael sees the army outside the city. He looks out over the walls and he sees this, the army of Abimelech. And he says, look, they're coming down from the mountains. And so verse 36 says, And Gael saw the people who said to Zebel, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebel said to him, You see uh, the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Zebel's like, No, man, you're just seeing things. Don't worry about it. It's not, it's not real. You're just, your mind's playing tricks on you. That's not a bit like out there in his army. Don't worry about it. You're seeing things. In verse 37, Gail's like, no, no, no. Look, look, see. And so verse 37 says, Gail spoke again and said, see, people are coming down from the center of the land and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth trees. And he's like, look, there's, there's people. I see people. They're coming. And he starts to get a little panicky because he's just a loudmouth. And then Zebel says, probably one of the funniest things in the Bible to me. Verse 38, it says, Zebel said to him, Where indeed is your mouth now? <laughs> With which you said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? And not these people whom we despise, despise. Go out if you will and fight with them now. We all know, everybody knows someone that just, yap, yap, yap. And then when the time comes, Where's your mouth now? It's in the Bible. You can say that to someone if you want. Where now is thy mouth? Do you want to be a little King James on them? Where is your mouth now? It's easy to talk. Zebel says to Gail, it's easy to talk. Go out and fight them, pal. Where is your mouth now? And so... He's kind of got himself back in the corner here. Gail, he goes out and he fights. And somehow Abimelech starts winning. And then Gail takes off running. And it looks like Abimelech's going to win this. This battle, this fight. And uh, you know, he done what his daddy did. He came at night, the same thing, right? The same results so far. He's got the enemy on the run. No, he's going to win. It's working. And so remember... Remember in the story of Gideon, he divides his group into three. And so Abimelech does that too in verse 43. It says, he took his people, divided them into three companies, and lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were the people coming out of the city and rose against them and attacked them. So they split up into three groups. And as the people come out of the city, they attack the people as they come out of the city. It's what Gideon um, you know, broke up into three and surrounded the Midianites. So three groups, he attacks the people of Shechem, and then he takes the city back, 
And all of the men left in Shechem, they go and they hide in one spot in the city. Verse 47, 48 says, It was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to the Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bough from the tree and took it and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. And what did Gideon say to the 300 troops in Judges 7 and 17? He says, Look at me and do likewise. Watch. When I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. So he's trying to do the same thing his father did. Gideon's like, you okay, everybody do exactly, exactly as I do. And so Abimelech's like, okay, everybody do exactly as I do. He's trying to kind of follow in his footsteps, it looks like to me. The same tactics as Father Hugh. He's trying to lead the same way. And so far, it looks good. So far, it looks like it's working. And his army all takes a, a bough from the tree and they light it on fire and they burn down the place where all the other men were hiding. And so he goes to the next city and he tries to take it. His name is Thebes, and he does. And man, his victories happening everywhere. Who needs God, right? Like everything's working out for Abimelech, it looks like. We're getting results. Things are happening. Everything is coming up. Abimelech, everything is working out. It's all looking good. He's getting the same results as Gideon, but without the same consecration as Gideon had. Man, everything looks good. Verse 50 to 52. And then Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. It's good. But there was a strong tower in the city and the men and the women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. And they went up to the top of the tower. And so Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. He just done that to the last tower. The same thing. He chases them all up in the tower. And he's going to burn it with fire. He's going to get another victory. Everything's coming up. Abimelech. Everything's working great. Right? He's invincible. He's unstoppable. He's just whatever. He's getting all the victories. But there's another verse. Verse 53. It says, A certain woman... Dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. These stories are wonderful. <laughs> Just casually, the woman threw a stone from the top of the tower and crushed his head. That's it. This is a random lady chucks a piece of millstone, hits him on the head, and crushes his. Anyways, I need to say it over and over. This is the second time in the book of Judges some random lady got Jews to give a victory to Israel. This time is a little different, but that's just amazing. He's all this incredibly just taking everyone out, and then the lady's like, get out of here. One thing, chase the men up the tower, and they're like, oh, we'll fight them, but the woman's like, get out of here. I got stuff to do. Verse 54 to 57. says, And he called quickly to the young man, man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, A woman killed him. So he's, he's dying pretty quickly from this millstone. And the young man thrust him through, and he died. And 
When the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which he had done to his father by killing his seventy brothers. And all the evil men of Shechem, God returned to their own, uh, returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. Um, so Gideon had killed all the, or Gideon, Abimelech had killed all the men of Shechem. They got what they deserved for what they did. And then Abimelech gets what he deserves. Some woman throws a rock at his head. He says, don't let them say a woman killed me, you do it. So his arm bearing, he's like, okay, boss. That's it. And it says, Abimelech is dead, right? When all the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. They just went home. Nobody cared. That's probably the weirdest thing about the whole story. This woman just throws a rock at his head. His arm bearer is like, yeah, see you later, boss. And then everyone just goes home. Nobody does anything. Nobody's like, oh, poor Abimelech. They just go home. <laughs> Nobody even cared. No one mourned. No one was sad. Everyone just went home. And so God honored the curse that Jotham put on him. This is a weird Bible study, right? <laughs> Has anyone got anything out of this? Or just up here telling stories? God honored the curse of, that Jotham put on him. The son of Gideon that God actually used was Jotham. He used him to prophesy and then he kind of just faded away into obscurity. Again, he was kind of a humble, a humble guy. Well, Jotham doesn't come out and say, yeah, I told you so. You know, he doesn't do any of that. This is a crazy story. It's a tragic story, really. Abimelech thought that just because his father was someone that God had used, that he, in turn, was special. And just because Gideon had had a victory that, that Abimelech should be able to do whatever he wanted to do. And we can be the same way. We can think because we've been here so long or our parents you know, started this thing or our friends have been here forever or whoever. Or we have such a great relationship. You know, they've had such a great relationship with God that it doesn't matter if we do. We won't say that out loud, of course. But we can act that way, and we can think that way, and we can live that way. And the story of Abimelech shows us how important it is for each of us to have a relationship with God of our own. We can't rely on someone else. We can't rely on our parents, or our family, or our friend, or our pastor, or anyone else. We need to have our own relationship with God. We need to have our own walk with Him. We need to follow Him on our own. If we try to mimic someone else's walk, so how someone else was used by God, it won't work. That's what Abimelech tried. He did a lot of things similar to Gideon with very different results. Abimelech copied some of his father's techniques and it looked like it was going to work, but in the end, it didn't. And it all started with how they began their story. Gideon tore down the altar of Baal before he went anywhere. Abimelech was financed by the temple and if we don't start out right, if our foundation is not right, our end won't be right. It may look good for a while. We may be able to trick some people. We may be able to even get people to follow us or be on our side. But eventually it will collapse if our foundation is not right. That's why we see people implode after a while. The foundation is off. 
A relationship with God is dependent on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's a problem. A relationship with God is dependent on other people. Being near that other person. Just mimicking or copying what someone else does. That's fine at the beginning when you're learning how to pray. You're learning how to, to worship. You're learning how to live for God. It's fine. But it needs to come a point where we step out and we start doing it for ourselves. We're just mimicking or copying someone else. It's not going to last. And if we're trying to serve and please God in the world like Abimelech tried in Shechem, that's not long before that falls apart too. Does that make sense? All that crazy story.